So today is one of those feast days that is relatively new on the church calendar, only a couple years old, and one that as time goes by means more and more to me all the time. It's one that I think is going to be very important to all of us and has a big impact on all of our lives and for some of us as we were growing up. And of course, that is the feast day of St. John Paul II. So 45 years ago today, St. John Paul II gave his inaugural homily as the 264th successor of St. Peter. So here he is as the new pope. And when you think about where he came from, and not, not just like geographically, but everything that man, Carol Wojtyla, had already undergone, all of the different things that he had been faced with. I mean, his mother died when he was very young. He grew up and went to seminary in a Nazi-occupied Poland. So you think about his seminary formation, like it's clandestine, it's underground. He's having to like read books by candlelight and work in a rock quarry during the day. I mean, when I was going, in, when I was going to seminary from 04 to 2010, get this, the food sometimes wasn't great, you know? You look at St. John Paul II, like he's busting rocks during the day. Some of his friends are assassinated in the midst of this because they're doing something illegal as the Nazis are in charge, and he makes his way through that, ordained a priest. Eventually, obviously, the Nazis overthrown. But poor Poland, it's not like they're liberated to all sorts of wonderful liberation and freedom. They then get the communists. And of course, they come in and they recognize this is a charismatic and attractive young man who's bringing people you know, away from communism. And so what do they do? They start tapping his, his phone and bugging his confessional. And I'll tell you, just as an aside, just as I've read about St. John Paul II, I've made it a personal rule that I never bring my phone with me into the confessional. Or if you come to me in my office, I put my phone on the other side of the room. Why? Those darn things are always listening. If I say, hey Siri, I bet somebody's phone is going to like snap up right now, right? It's crazy how that happens. Well, now that we have the phones in our pocket, it's not as hard to tap us. Then the communists were doing that to him all the time. You know, all sorts of oppression, all of this difficulty. I mean, think about the time that he's coming of age and the craziness in the world. And fast forward then to 1978 in the midst of the Cold War. And what happens? The cardinals that come together 30 days after John Paul I is elected, after his sudden death, elect Karol Wojtyla from Poland. Now, I love his first homily. I quote it nearly every Thursday at the school mass. But as I was reflecting on these readings and looking to what the feast day is today, I went back and read the whole homily from October 22nd, 1978. And I will tell you, it's five pages long. It's quick. It's a very fast read. But I, I'll tell you, it's hard to read it without getting emotional, at least for me. And I, want, I could read you the whole thing today. I almost wish we had time. But I want to share with you just a couple of sections this morning. This is, and I love it, the way the Vatican does it, they break it down into paragraphs. And if I'm not mistaken, it's only eight altogether. So yeah, it's not that long. It's a pretty quick read. But listen to this. This is the first words of St. John Paul II in his first homily as the Pope. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. These words were spoken by Simon, son of Jonah, in the district of Caesarea Philippi. 
Yes, he spoke them in his, in his own tongue with a deeply lived and experienced conviction, but it is not in him that they find their source, their origin, because it was not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. They were the words of faith. These words mark the beginning of Peter's mission in the history of salvation, in the history of the people of God. From that moment, from that confession of faith, the sacred history of salvation in the people of God was bound to take on a new dimension, to express itself in the historical dimension of the church. This ecclesial dimension of the history of the people of God takes its origin, in fact is born from these words of faith and is linked to the man who uttered them. You are Peter, the rock, and on you as on a rock I will build my church. Now this is Carol Wojtyla stepping into the role of St. Peter saying those words from the get-go. It's not, hi, Carol, nice to meet you. It's, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This man who grew up under Nazi oppression, saw the horrors of communism, knows what's going on all over the world, is able to stand up in front of the whole world 45 years ago today and say, you are the Christ. And then it continues on to this. This is paragraph five. This is the most, some of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. Brothers and sisters, do not be afraid to welcome Christ and accept his power. Help the Pope and all those who wish to serve Christ and with Christ's power to serve the human person and the whole of mankind. Do not be afraid. Open wide the doors for Christ to his saving power. Open the boundaries of states, economic and political systems, the vast fields of culture, civilization and development. Do not be afraid. Christ knows what is in man. He alone knows it. So often today, man does not know what is within him, in the depths of his mind and heart. So often he is uncertain about the meaning of his life on this earth. He is assailed by doubt, a doubt which turns into despair. We ask you, therefore, we beg you with humility and trust, let Christ speak to man. He alone has the words of life, yes, of eternal life. Like I said, I could keep going and I could eventually get to tears. But the beautiful thing is, as you look at that, you know, knowing the fact that God alone knows the heart, knows man, that he's telling us not to be afraid to open wide the doors to Christ, that Jesus Christ is in our midst. And I wanted to emphasize that so much today, not only because it's his feast day, but also in relation to this gospel. Because you know we get it obviously every three years and it's easy to kind of go right to the political thing. But ultimately, it gives us so much more hope. And I'll tell you very often, you know, I love the miracle stories that we get about our Lord, right? Like him walking on the water and saving Peter from sinking or curing blind Bartimaeus or, you know, the man who is paralyzed at the pool of Bethesda or feeding the 5,000. All those are awesome. But this one, I think, is a miracle as well that sometimes we kind of just go right over. I mean, you look at the setting here, right? The Herodians and the Pharisees, they hated each other. They were political rivals. The Pharisees, kind of like the religious institution. The Herodians, yeah, I mean, they paid it lip service, but they were basically kissing up to Herod all the time. Like, they didn't like each other at all. But they both hated Christ, and they were trying to get him out of where he was with his politically powerful position as he came in on Palm Sunday already at this point. And as you read this gospel, 
Scripture scholars think that he's standing in the courtyard of the temple. So there's all these people listening that are hanging on his every word. And around the, the walls around him are the Roman soldiers. So it's like he's navigating this like close road of the people that are oppressed and the oppressors that are up here. And here come these folks that aren't really inter- interested in truth, that they have malice in their hearts. They're trying to get him on the gotcha moment, right? You look at that, it's like nothing changes, right? It's not as though it's just easy to move through any political landscape. But look at the way our Lord handles it. Like, he doesn't go for one answer or the other. If he says, yeah, pay the tax, the people are all disappointed, like, oh, one more person who's in league with the Romans. If he says, no, don't pay the tax, the Herodians or the Pharisees go, hey, soldiers, he's right here, go ahead and arrest him. But what does he do? He looks at them, he knows them. Why are you testing me? Why are you a hypocrite? Stop putting forward one face and acting a different way. He knows the human hearts. And then to give that, repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. Why? Because ultimately our Lord knows the way through everything. He knew the way to overcome the Nazis, the communists. He knows the way to overcome sin and death. And you look at St. John Paul II, who grew up under that oppression, right? And what's the first thing he says? Do not be afraid. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And why this feast day continues to be so important is to remember the fact that, folks, it's so easy to think, gosh, everything is so terrible now. It was terrible for John Paul II. And look what happened to him. It's not as though he came up and it's like, wow, he's so great because he's charismatic and knows all these languages. And he's athletic. and I mean, I love it. I love watching the videos. Like, you know, when Bono met with him and he like, took his glasses and put them on and he's like doing this to little kids and the circus performers are there with him. Like, he loved everybody and everybody loved him. But why is he so important? If he was merely the charismatic figure, well, he died in 2005 and he's not with us anymore. But he's not merely a charismatic figure. He's the Holy Father that pointed to Jesus Christ in the midst of the stormy sea. He shows that we can continue to navigate the same waters that our Lord did as well. Not because we're charismatic or we know so much, but because Jesus Christ loves us. He has overcome sin and death. He puts himself in positions like the gospel today. He goes all the way to death on the cross, and he comes out on the other side and shows us that we can do the same thing. And thanks be to God, he sends us saints in different eras to remind us once again, as we need to be reminded every day, do not be afraid. And the glory of that, too, is it's not just like we're talking about St. Sebastian from 2,000 years ago, right? This is John Paul II. I mean, I grew up with him. This homily was given four years before I was born. I mean, my first, what, 20-something years of life, he was the Pope. I remember when he died and Pope Benedict XVI became Pope, it was like, whoa, who are you, buddy? Like, don't pretend to be my grandpa. Like, that's, that's not right, you know? It just didn't make sense. I remember, too, it's like you look at our liturgical books called the Missal, and it says Pope and then a big red N because you insert the name. And I remember when I first started serving, looking at it, like, why do we need an N there? It's just John Paul II, and it always will be. Like, how are we ever going to change? But obviously, things continue on. But John Paul II, in the midst of all of this, right, as we saw him, saw him move through the midst of the Cold War, and the Cold War gradually dissipates. It's incredible the way that works, and how does it work? Because exactly what John Paul II pointed to with every fiber of his being, 
You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we have these amazing saints that have risen up, but that saint, John Paul II, reminds us that there is a universal call to holiness. In the same way that he was not afraid to stand up and say that, the same is true for us. Now granted, we're not going to say it before a world stage, but we don't have to be afraid. We've got to let Christ into everything. And in the same way, it's like, wow, he walked on water. He fed the 5,000. He made someone who was blind see. Those are all amazing. But you know what else he can do? He can navigate difficult political circumstances. He can navigate difficult relationships. He can be in the midst of all of this, but what do we have to do? Open wide the doors to Christ. Let him into everything. That's why St. John Paul II can get up and say that with a straight face and mean it with his whole being. Even though he grew up at a time that some of his friends are being killed by the Nazis, the Holocaust is happening down the street, he knows the horrors of communism and yet he stands up and says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we have the same faith. We have the same gifts that he had. We have the same challenge and call that he gave us 45 years ago today. It's just as true today. Remember those words now and always. Do not be afraid. Praise be Jesus Christ.